Welcome and thanks for joining us. My name is Samanwar Sesha, Director of the Museum of Colour and your host for this series, My Words Donations. As part of the My Words exhibition at the Museum of Colour, we have invited a number of poets to donate objects to our digital collection. These are items that have a real significance to them and their creative journeys. This series is a chance to hear the stories behind those donations. And coming up, we'll be talking with Francesca Beard. My name is Francesca Beard. I am a spoken word artist. I'm a poet. I'm a maker of things and I work with and in communities that's where my work has been heading for a while. Hi Francesca, it's lovely to have you for this session. So my first question to you is how would you describe your work? So I noted that you said spoken word artist, poet and you say them separately. <laughs> oh um, I call myself a poet but I, um, I think I had this idea of what poetry was that a lot of people have and I always wanted to try and express reality through words because it seemed like such an incredible paradox to me because words um, make reality, but they're not real. So ever since I was a child, I found words really magical and dangerous and beautiful. And so I always wanted to play with them. So I call myself a poet. However, when I tried to be a poet professionally, I was kind of like sending my work off to, you know, magazines. And I had this idea of what a poet was. And I, I was rejected <laughs> from, you know, my my poetry didn't seem to be um, to fit into what other people's ideas of poetry was. And um, I found it completely destroyed actually I think with writing it's so strange because there's the writing and then there's the the being a writer which is a whole different job and I think you know actually resilience is so important to creativity but when you're starting out sometimes you don't necessarily know that and you know if you're not in a community of writers and you're just doing it on your own you can feel incredibly like ashamed and you're just not going to get anywhere if you get rejected so I found it really crushing actually it wasn't that I was going to stop writing but I would just keep on writing but I wasn't going to show it to anyone and then really by chance and I, I wouldn't recommend this path to anyone else it was it was one of those things where the disaster ends up being your your saving grace you know the kind of the, the end puts you onto another level which is actually amazing I I was at a really low point you know with my mental health and I'd just been dumped by by a boyfriend and um he said to me you'll never be anything and you're you you know you kind of you're a coward and you don't even show your your poems to anyone and so I I kind of did this thing which was completely crazy for me and I I looked at the open mics in time out and I signed up for one it was at the riverside in Hammersmith and it was a really cold January day and I just went out and I kind of read some poems at this open mic and I, I would never have done it if I hadn't been feeling so rejected and so like dumped and so and it was incredible it was like someone had just plugged me into an um, a source of energy and I had this epiphany that actually reading your poems and sharing your poems wasn't a massive act of ego or even an act of kind of like self-therapy it was actually saying I care about the world I care about other human beings I want to connect and I became really addicted to open mic so I just went 
from then, it was the only thing that kind of made me feel connected and made me feel positively alive at that time. I just went and did every single open mic I could for three months. And then after that, I started getting booked. So spoken word was absolutely in a kind of crystal clarity. That form of poetry where there aren't the usual gatekeepers and where you directly connect with people and you when you share your work you kind of have this opportunity to listen to it in a way for the first time outside of your head and spoken word really helped me to edit as well it was revolutionary to me it kind of made me see you know that actually we we write for people and to make sense of the world and to ask is anyone else weird like me and actually if that's the main purpose of writing, then, you know, it's not for cleverness and it's not for, to make people think that you're cool or, you know, whatever. It's to kind of be clear. So that really helps with editing. You kind of just want to just edit so you can connect with people. Yeah. That's beautiful. So when did you know yourself to be a poet? Oh, I think this is going to sound super pretentious. <laughs> I think that I, I always assume that everyone is, <laughs> that everyone is a poet and that I've just been fortunate and lucky to be able to earn a living from it. So I think that most humans have this connection with language. We have this incredible ability, which is a kind of deep structure grammar, which enables us to use language in a really particular way to our species, which is to say something completely original that no one else has ever said before and for another user of the language to understand it. And so that, for me, when I was a kid, I think I kind of was grappling with the awareness of that. When I started to speak, I was already thinking that language is the most incredible technology. Uh, so I, I don't know, I even if I never... And I haven't actually published, <laughs> but even if I, no one else thought I was a poet, I think I would still think I was. <laughs> I That's not really an answer, is it? Um, I don't know. When did I start to speak? Like five, six? And you knew you were a poet and believed all of us to be poets. Yeah, yeah, I did. We, I grew up in Malaysia. My dad's parents were English and... Um, we used to, to <laughs> in those days, you could you didn't have smartphones and it was really expensive to make any phone call, certainly an international one. So we used to have cassettes, <laughs> which are a kind of magnetic tape that you kind of like, and you put them into a machine and you could record on them. And so we would, in order to communicate with my English grandparents, we would have these cassettes and we'd record on the cassettes and then we'd post them. And then my grandparents would listen. So I have poems and stories from that era. Uh, I, I can't listen to them now. And I think the cassettes are probably broken. But I, I know this to be true because there are recordings of poems that we used to send and little stories and songs we made up that we used to send to um, my grandparents. Yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful. Um, honestly, I could spend all of this podcast talking to you about deep structure grammar and the magical dangerous nature of language but we will be disciplined so we asked you to donate two objects to the museum of color what is your relationship to museums can you tell me a bit about that and how does it feel to be in one wow I mean, I think the the archiving of human experience is really sacred and important I think that museums are a kind of testament and a bearing of witness and they're beautiful. I think they're also really 
historically problematic. Going around, for example, the British museums and seeing objects from different cultures that are labelled and you're looking at the labels and you're thinking, oh, I don't know if that's the right label. And you're saying that it's ceremonial, but maybe it's actually just an object which is used for a, a different kind of understanding of ceremony. So anyway, I think that Historically and from the colonial past, museums are really problematic, but I also think that they are really important and need to be revised and reclaimed. And I'm so delighted to be part of this museum. Yay! And we are so chuffed to have you. Um, So I'm going to ask you now about your first donation. What does it mean to you and why do you want to share it? Both of my donations were a little bit conceptual and I tried to kind of make them visual and tangible. So my first donation is a, a huge HB2 pencil. It's one of those classic pencils that's kind of yellow and black stripes. And I love these pencils, but I have a problematic relationship with pencils and with writing. Not well, problematic in a wonderful way. I am dyslexic. I was dyslexic. And when I first started my educational journey... Uh, the word, it's a shocking word, but I'm going to use it because this is the word that, this is how I was called. And I wasn't I wasn't upset by it at all, but I was remedial because I had a problem with language. And then just by complete um, luck and fate, luck, luck, uh, the school, so I went to school in Kuala Lumpur and uh, and then in Penang. And one of the teaching assistants was this American lady who was the wife of someone who was working there and she was a dyslexia expert and she said oh this this child is dyslexic and taught me how to read and write very very quickly but um, I still write backwards as easily in fact easier than I write forwards it's just easier for me but I think that dyslexia or that particular kind of um, (sighs) filter or challenge or kind of not that kind of slight barrier to to language was a gift because it really made me think about language in a way that maybe people who didn't have that didn't think about it so it made that whole structure and that whole system visible and I think a lot of my writing life has been about trying to make structures that are invisible visible So I have this pencil because I love writing because it was one for me. It's something that I had to think about. Yeah. Beautiful. We love this. We love this. It is gratefully received. So do you want to tell us about your second item that you're donating? Yes, absolutely. It's in the palm of my hand and it's a Day of the Dead skull. So it's a beautiful ceramic skull so it's black and white and there's a beautiful kind of intricate uh, South American design on the skull as well as the teeth and the kind of nose socket and the eye sockets yeah it's got this lovely flat these this flower and leaf design so I did have a moment of doubt because I was thinking is this going to be culturally appropriative although I'd, I'd say that sometimes I'm mistaken for being South American, because I'm half Chinese Malay, half European, but I am not. So in order to kind of donate this object, I was thinking, am I being culturally appropriative? Well, yes, I am. But I'm also, um, I'm hoping that I'm allowed because I respect that appropriation and I know it's not my culture. So I, I, I want to say, and I'm going to, the third, my third donation kind of explores this a bit. I... I think I grew up um, not really 
thinking I belonged or not feeling I belonged to any particular culture. My mother was Chinese Malay and the the Chinese in Malaysia <laughs> are a particular population that feel like they don't really belong. <laughs> so I had that to start with. And my father and my father is English. But in fact, my, you know, my my birth, my origins were weren't English, and in fact, I'm mixed race, European, Italian, and Chinese, Vietnamese, Thai. So I come from a place of colonization, but I also come from a place of immigration and travel and exodus and you know economic migration across all sorts of filters and I've never had a kind of feeling that this is me this is where I belong these are my roots and and again that's a kind of challenge and a a kind of uh, difficulty but it's also a gift so it's quite I'd say maybe lonely but it's also very free and the thing that grounds me is that I'm human and that human beings die and we have a very limited time on this earth and we are aware of that it it feels uh, like um almost a kind of spiritual duty to somehow witness that and I think that's what writers do so that's why I've chosen this second object which is symbolic of cultural appropriation and also of death and also of life so beautiful it really is we are just but a puff of air and yet we do our best to make that puff of air mean something Mm. Yes. It's with real anticipation that I ask you for your third donation. Which poem have you selected to donate? So when I was thinking about what to donate, one of the things that came up was how will this be shared and um, where will this be shared? And I, you know, so a lot of my work is from spoken word, but recently I was uh, invited to contribute to this this publication, which is called Not Quite Right for Us, and it's distributed through FlipDie, which is an amazing publishing house, but published by Speaking Volumes, which is a really fantastic um, organisation. And I wanted to share something from this anthology, um, which has got 40 writers in it. So the title is Not Quite Right for Us, and I think it was from an essay by Colin Grant, and it was just exploring that theme you know, being not quite right for us, not quite right for us is such a, such a British... Polite way of rejecting. (laughs) Yes. So the anthology has got essays, it's got poetry, it's got short stories. And I think it's really rich. And I I thought it was a really interesting angle, uh, which so many writers could engage with and explore. So I'm going to choose my poem that is published in not quite right for us, by uh, Speaking Volumes. And it's called Alien. And before I read it, I just wanted to say that I really love science. I've always been really kind of drawn to the, the, the miraculous world that science reveals. And I really enjoy researching. I really enjoy when I write, I kind of try and find something that I, a question that I don't know the answer to so that I can spend time asking it. So a lot of my work has some kind of factual or science-based kind of angle to it. And this um, this takes its structure from the life cycle of insects. So there's some terms for um, each kind of section of the poem. It's not very long, but there's terms for each section of the poem which refer to a stage in an insect's life cycle. And it's called alien. 
host, the organism in or on which a parasite lives. You emerge on earth a human child. Trees rattle ancestral branches. Water otters round your trunk. Light streams colour. Amazement into wonder. You were made for each other. Elytra. First pair of wings modified to form a hard shell. The crash of landing uproots who you are, the purpose of your mission. Colonising systems spawn in torn ground, infesting mother tongues. Bumi, Ver, K, Pokok, Ul Rubbishla. The island runs out of school. You fly to England where water is frigid. Learn to factor words into weapons. You're in deep cover so long, you forgot, you've never known why. Hyalin, transparent like glass. Skin, fair as peeled almond. Hair black as blood. East eye slanted, west eye round. Which is the rightest? Your face is open as the moon, common property, a mirror into which strangers stare. Nymph, sexually immature form, usually similar to the adult. Your dad, they warned us about the local girls. Men who could be your dad. Where are you from? Where are you really from? You're just like a girl I met in a bar in the war, in Singapore, Manila, Phuket. So young, never guessed she was a pro. This exchange repeats until you accept it was you in that bar we are still at war. Cryptic. Colouring and or pattern adapted for the purpose of protection. Half-breed, you've been guaylo, chink-eyed, mongrel, mixed race, in and out of so many circles, you're fine with BAME, though you get why anyone who actually belonged wouldn't be. Inquiline. A creature that shares the home of another species without having any obvious effect. You're a pro. Keep a bag half-packed, at home from home in no one's land, miscellaneous minority other, navigating the foreign familiar, sheltering anonymous under greyish umbrellas. You could be anywhere. Not even you know who you are, where you are going. Girdle. A strand of silk used to prop up the pupa. When your daughter ticks the white box, your hand rings at your heart like Olivia de Havilland in Gone with the Wind. But why? I am your mother. Don't leave me by myself again. You don't say that out loud. Holometabola. Complete transformation. Your genome migrates to another system, coded in a body in the body of a craft. Astronauts unlatch, emerge onto pink moss, release pulsing loops of pheromones that call response from teeming ghosts which form, collapse, coalesce, unswallow this planet's sky in a breaking wave. Every atomized possible past and future you redeems a homing signal of exile and belonging. Abandonment is freedom. 
Thank you to Francesca Beard for being part of our exhibition and donating to the Museum of Colour. To view the donations photographed by Sharon Wallace and the portraits by Derek Akembo, head to www.museumofcolour.org.uk where you can explore the rest of the My Words exhibition and discover our growing digital collection. My Words Donations is presented by me, Samuel Sesha, and is produced by Stella Sabin for the Museum of Colour. Further episodes of this series are available across all podcast platforms where you can also listen to our previous project, Respect Due. The music you have heard in this series is by the fabulous Randolph Matthews. You can listen to more of his work at www.randolphmatthews.com. My Words is supported by the National Lottery Heritage Fund, Arts Council England and the Foyle Foundation. Museum of Colour is incubated at People's Palace Projects, based at Queen Mary University, London. Thank you for listening.